Hello and welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, where we are exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave, and usually I'm here with my wife, Shreya, but today I have the privilege of interviewing a man called Steve Jantz. So Steve Jantz is the director of Miller College of the Bible in BC. They have a campus in Saskatchewan as well. It's actually the Bible school that Shreya and I met. Some cool things about Steve. Steve mentored me for two years. He was the officiant at Shreya and my wedding. We've taken some long road trips together, including an overnight trip to Manitoba so I could see Shreya for all of about ooh, a day and Steve could get to a car. I can't even remember what car it is, but I'm sure he'll tell me in a minute. We've been to Mexico together. There's actually a really cool story about that as well. We were going through houses to houses to houses and Steve, you might want to chip in here. I don't know if you remember, there was this one guy that we saw, really emaciated guy, bedridden, and it was heartbreaking. I was one of the most powerful ministry moments that I've ever had where we got to pray with this guy who just teared up and could, you know, he couldn't get out of bed and just teared up at hearing the Bible, which was awesome. That was a really awesome thing. Steve, do you remember that? Yeah, I, I totally remember that, Dave. Thanks for uh, having me here today. It's great to be on the podcast. It was a, it was a very moving um, moment as well. I remember exactly walking into that bedroom in the back there and there he was lying. And I think maybe you even prayed for him, Dave. I can't remember exactly, but it yeah. was... Uh, it was powerful because he was obviously moved. I think we brought him a Bible and we brought him the family some food. They were, I mean, they were in tremendous need. And uh, it was a moment where, yeah, God showed up and and uh, we were able to minister that that hurting family. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a really powerful moment. Steve and I have had the privilege of a few of those kind of moments together. But also I was roommates with Steve's son, Denver. Briefly, I was colleagues with Steve's other son, Tyler, and Shereya was a roommate with Steve's youngest daughter, Anna. So we've kind of worked through the set there. So we've had uh, some good experiences over the last, I think, six years of getting to know you, Steve. And we are so grateful that you would take the time to be on this show. Today, we're going to talk about Bible school. And yeah. Steve, as a director of uh, Bible college or the campus, certainly, I, I imagine you're pretty passionate about Bible school. You know, I am. Interestingly enough, this has not been my lifelong career, Dave. As you know, um, I was a pastor for 25 years and my heart uh, resonates with the local church. Really, that's that's what um, gets me excited. It's the bride of Christ. It's uh, the hope of this world is the local church and the church universal. But I do, I do love Bible school and particularly the school I'm at because of their desire to make much of Jesus and make much of his bride, the church. And so, yeah, I love, I love what we're doing and what I'm doing. That's great. And we are talking to an audience that is predominantly British and Canadian. Now, lots of Canadians would know what Bible school is. Canadians uh, and Bible school, it's like just like a very popular mix. And uh, lots of Christians would spend a year at least of their lives after high school to go to Bible school, right? That's a very popular thing. But in the UK, that is not the case. So, uh, so what is Bible school? And you know what, let's just start there. What is Bible school? Why go? Yeah, that's a great question. And David, please feel free to pipe in. I mean, you are an experienced alumni. And so if I'm missing something, I mean, pipe in. I'm not certainly not the expert on this, but uh, Bible school in essence um, is, uh, it can take on so many different forms and shapes, but it is a school or a college that is dedicated to teaching the Bible and hopefully equipping the students to grow their depth of knowledge of the Bible. And our prayer would be that it would not just be head knowledge, but that their hearts would bend towards Jesus and love him more as well. 
And so there are discipleship schools around the world, and they do a little bit more of the heart kind of stuff. But a Bible school is an academic institution. Uh, when we moved here to BC, we had to go through the process of getting a charter here in British Columbia and being recognized by the government of, of BC to be able to offer a degree. So if you finish your full three years or our fourth year program, you'll receive a degree that is sanctioned by or affirmed by the uh, government of British Columbia. And so it is an academic institution, spend a lot of time in class, and you're digging into the Bible, you're getting to know the Word of God, uh, so that it will hopefully equip you to be able to be more effective in life. And so we've got students that come for one year sometimes, uh, actually, probably the majority of our students come for one year, maybe two, and then a percentage of those go all the way through and finish with a three-year degree like you and uh, like you did. I guess Shreya still has, you're going to bring her back for a year, are you? Maybe one day, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So the, the question I have, Steve, is if you were listening and you kind of have this vague understanding of the Bible and you don't know it super well, you might, might say, well, why would I want to go to school for three years to read one book? You know, I'm reading Anna Karenina at the moment. That's like 800, 900 pages or something. And it just feels like it goes on forever. I wouldn't want to do a degree based on one book. So why, intellectually speaking, why does it take three years plus? Obviously, people then do masters and PhDs and stuff. Just looking at one book, why is it so dense? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, the Bible is is made up of 66 books. And so there's 39 books in what we call the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. Approximately 40 different authors writing over a, a span of about 1600 years, which is just amazing thing. And we ought to actually be stunned at that because of the unity of the scripture. So whenever you collaborate, and I've never done this, but I've heard that when you collaborate with a various, with various authors in order to put a publish, a publication together, uh, Dave, to, to present a book, but you have different authors writing different chapters. Maybe you've read books like that, that it is very difficult to keep people on track and keep sort of the main theme, the main theme. And there's a lot of work behind that. Now, can you imagine a period of 1600 years, 40 different authors from all kinds of different backgrounds? You've got kings and you've got shepherds and you've got uh, doctors and you've got fishermen writing this and the unity that we find in the scriptures is actually stunning. But that's that's maybe not the main reason why we would take time to study a book uh, like this. I think the main reason that we would take time to study a book like the Bible is because we see clearly that the Bible is different than any other book in the world. The Bible is actually God speaking to us. And, and there are two kind of major revelations that God shows or, or demonstrates who he is through. So these revelations, we have natural revelation, and we read in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. So there is nature, and we look around nature, read Romans chapter 1. If anybody with, with, uh, is thinking, they're going to look around and say, how did this all come to being? And the answer is God. And so that's, that's the natural book that God's written, but there's a specific book or specific revelation, and it is the Word of God. Uh, and and so we believe that God is actually speaking to us. And if God is speaking to us through the Bible, man, I'm going to tell you something. If, if that's the God of the, of the universe, the God of creation, I want to hear what he has to say. And um, I mean, obviously, we know that the Bible wasn't written in English or German or whatever other language, although I think there's probably some Germans who think it was written in German, but it's not, the, <laughs> it's not actually the case. It was written in primarily in Hebrew and in Greek, some Aramaic. And so the scriptures that we have in our hands today are translations. And in many cases, they're quite accurate translations, but there's such depth to what is in this book 
And there's so much that God is revealing to us about himself in the scriptures that it gives us a glimpse of who God is, but he is, Bible describes God as inscrutable or he's beyond knowing everything about him. But the Bible does give us some beautiful glimpses of this magnificent and wonderful God. And so that's why we spend time studying it. So it will dictate how we believe it or what we believe and how we live. And uh, the more we get to know the the words of the scriptures, the more we're going to get to know the God who wrote those words through human authors. Yeah, that's so good, Steve. Thanks for for sharing that. I would just mention that, Steve, you grew up in Germany. So as you make fun of Germans, it's mainly because you grew up there. (laughs) Not just randomly taking a stab. (laughs) Yes, I'm not speaking at all disparaging against Germans because I'm actually half German myself. But, uh, you know, our listeners need to know that we had a lot of fun during your college years, Dave, where we would razz each other a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, you can hear from Dave that he, uh, he speaks a different accent than I do. And uh, so with my German background, I would, you know, bug him a little bit about being English and he would be quite happy to throw the ball back at me and remind me that I was very German. I think this is a really great point to mention out, mention that when I came to Miller, I moved straight from the UK in, in 2014 and everyone used to say, oh, I love your accent. I was like, well, thanks. I love your accent too. And then they'd say, well, I don't, I don't have an accent. Like, um, we're not going to go there, but, but you do. And they said, no, what do you mean? No, I don't. You have an accent. Said, well, what, sorry, what language are we speaking here? Said, oh, English. And I said, yeah, yeah. Where am I from? They're from the UK. No, I was like, no, I am from England and I'm speaking English. You're in Canada speaking English. Uh, which one of us do you think has, has the accent? And so I'm okay with us both having accents. I like the fact that you mentioned that, you know, you brought up both of our accents there. That's important. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to Bible school. So yes. you ended up at Bible school. You've studied there. So you can, you can talk a little bit about why you ended up going to Bible school. But what I'd love to hear as well is why did you come back? <laughs> why come back? Because you said, you know, you have a heart for the local church. Well, I know that you are deeply involved with your local church, but also you're not a pastor in the same sense that you have been for 25 years. So what's the story there? Why? Those are two really great questions, Dave. Yeah, I am here for a very specific reason, which we'll get to in a minute. The reason I went to Bible school, this is going to sound very strange, is because my mom and dad wanted me to go. So as you mentioned, I grew up in Germany. My mom and dad were missionaries in Germany. I grew up in the Black Forest in southwestern Germany, right on the border of Switzerland and France. And um, my dad was actually an evangelist. An evangelist is simply somebody who is a proclaimer of the good news. And so they would do these meetings. This was back in the 70s, 60s and the 70s and the 80s, where um, what we would call back then crusade evangelism. It's a term we don't use anymore, but kind of the Billy Graham model. Big crowds get together. There's music. There's testimonies or people are sharing their stories. Let's just, let's just pause there and explain. Yeah, so Billy Graham was a huge evangelist from the 50s. If you've ever seen The Crown, he actually appears in an episode of The Crown. It's not actually him as an actor, obviously, but he was, he was someone who used to preach to just phenomenal numbers of people and see lives transform. God used him powerfully to, to transform yeah. lives, right? So, so a similar vein to that is what you're saying. Yes, on a much smaller scale. I mean, and the message is the cross. It's about Jesus coming to this world to redeem mankind back to himself. We're sinners, we're separated from God. And, um, and Jesus is the perfect sacrifice on our behalf to reconcile us back to God. So that's the message of the gospel. That's what Billy Graham did. That's what his son Franklin does. That's what my dad did. And so I grew up, you need to understand the context. Like I, I have sat through so many meetings in my life. And so I knew my head was full of biblical truth. I knew this stuff. And my mom and dad kind of, as we were growing up would say, 
Now, um, yeah, they never actually said it, but there was this underlying uh, sort of expectation. After high school, you go to Bible school for a year. That's what Jan's kids do. And so all of my relatives had gone to a Bible school in Alberta, and I was quite shy, um, timid, very much of an introvert. And the school in, in Alberta, was it was a big school, and there was a small school in Saskatchewan, in Pamburn, Saskatchewan, called Miller, it used to be called Miller Memorial Bible Institute. And so I figured, well, I'm going to go to this school. It's small, 100 students, 150 students. And um, But the, the crazy thing, Dave, is that I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus at the time. And so my, my thinking was, I'm going to go, I'm going to make mom and dad happy, but then I'm going to do my own thing. And I wanted to become a conservation officer because of my personality. I was, I was quite shy and, and very timid. I figured if I could become a CO, I could just spend a, all my time in the bush and I wouldn't have to meet many people and the ones I did meet, I'd at least have a sidearm or whatever, right? <laughs> so so uh, that was my goal. And then in my second semester of my first year of Bible college, uh, God just got a hold of my heart and he saved me. Uh, and it was just an absolute transformation where all of a sudden now, um, uh, things that, that didn't ha- exist before now were existing in my life. I mean, the Bible talks about the fact that when we are born again, when we put our faith in Jesus alone, that he gives us a new heart. He takes a heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And with that new heart come new affections and new desires. And that's what happened to me. And all of a sudden, God started changing the orientation of my own heart. And I soon realized after that, that I was going to be called to some sort of ministry. And um, and so I just kept coming back to, for my second year, my third year, ended up pastoring out in Prince Edward Island for about eight years. And then in Manitoba for just over 16 years. And then in 2011, Sarah and I and our our daughter, Anna, moved out here to BC to help launch this campus. So I went to Bible school initially to make mom and dad happy. And I graduated because I knew that's what God wanted me to do and, and was preparing me for, you know, work down the road. Yeah, that is such an amazing testimony. In fact, I can think of someone who was at Bible school during during my time there. You might remember, I'm not going to say his name because I don't, I don't want to betray his, his confidence, but he would say the same thing. He He ended up giving his life to Jesus whilst he was in his first year, uh, yeah. just because he'd heard a passage of the Bible spoken and and it, and it spoke to him and realized that his life needed to be in line with with Jesus, which is really cool. But I I, I want to come back to the second part of that question because I realized I asked a big question there. But you you mentioned earlier, I just to repeat what I said earlier. You mentioned that your heart is for the local church and as a pastor. So what drew you back to Bible school to to see? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's great. I was uh, pastoring in a church in Winnipeg. We'd been there for um, well, we ended up being there for just over 11 years, but at around 10 years or 10 and a half years, God started stirring in our hearts a little bit. And I I realized that maybe my time in that church was coming to an end. I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, obviously I thought I would maybe take another church or move to another place and, and be a pastor somewhere. And it was at that point where the president of the college phoned me and said, Steve, we're thinking about launching this campus out in, in British Columbia. And we're wondering if you'd be willing to come help and help us launch that and start that. And Dave, you probably, not probably, you know this, and I say this quite often, it's not that I don't love thinking deeply about things or that I um, don't love the academic side of theology and digging deep, but I'm not an academic. It's not who I am. And so uh, the intrigue of going and being a director or an executive director of a college, just that was not on my radar and had no desire for it. But what, what drew me to Miller College of the Bible, and I stayed in contact with the college over the years, even though it was my, the school I graduated from, 
I, I realized and I observed that, that God had done a, a bit of a work in the direction of the college. And it really, the college really started recognizing we don't want to graduate students who are just full of head knowledge. I mean, the Pharisees had a lot of head knowledge. The religious leaders in the New Testament had a lot of head knowledge, but their hearts were far from God. And what intrigued me about Miller College of the Bible was that we really wanted to go after the students' hearts. We want to go after their character development and their relation, the relational dynamics that they have and their life skills alongside of the Bible knowledge that they would be receiving in the classroom. And so in my mind, it's like, man, if I can help raise up the next generation to be effective in a local church and use the gifts that God's given me in my leadership gifting and my speaking gifting, uh, wouldn't that be a great way to invest my time in sending, you know, raising up students and sending them out like you and Sharia, that you're a perfect example of of what, what gets me up in the morning and has me go over to my office is I want to see young people who love Jesus, who are on fire, who have a desire to share the gospel. The gospel's changed their life, is changing their life, and um, want to serve Jesus for the life that they have on this earth. So good. It's, it's, I know that you believe that, but to hear you verbalize some of these feelings, is, it's just it's so exciting. Like you say, it's inspiring for, for me as well to hear. Uh, I think... One of the questions you kind of touched on this a little bit, I'd love to go a bit deeper is, you know, you said that you're not an academic and what if intellectually you are not on the level that you really want to go and study Bible school? Maybe not because maybe it's not because you're, you're, you don't have the capability, but you just don't have that passion to go really deep intellectually. Maybe uh, there are people who have career careers in other areas. Maybe we've got some engineers or uh, I don't know, the list goes on, right? Maybe we have some uh, hairstylists or whatever, you know, just people on the gamut of career paths and it just doesn't work to go to Bible school. What advice would you give them to, to, to go deep with, with the Bible? How would they study the Bible without necessarily going to Bible school? Because Bible school has some great things, but maybe that doesn't work for everyone, right? No, I, I think that's, that's a great question. And you're right. I don't think Bible school is for everybody. I, I actually think that some people aren't going to benefit maybe from it the, the same way that others would. I, I would say, though, that every young person should consider it. You know, uh, Dave, you remember uh, Melissa uh, in, uh, on campus. And you know, she, she, she grew up in the church that I pastored, and she came for three years. And, um, but she knew that she was probably not going to be in a pastoral role ever. She wanted to become a doctor, and here she is now in med school. Um, it's working towards becoming a doctor. So I, and having conversations with her and other students who have been on campus, who have now left and are doing other careers other than what we would might call vocational ministry kind of careers, they, they often will tell me, man, I'm so thankful for, for the time that I've spent in Bible school. It shaped my thinking. It's going to be a foundation for me. It's going to help me navigate through my, the career that I'm in now, whether it is a doctor or you know, a dental hygienist or working as a salesperson somewhere. But you're right. There are going to be those people who, who A, don't have the time to come, maybe don't have the finances to come. If it's a financial piece, I would just say, Lord, if you want me to go to Bible college or Bible school somewhere, would you provide ways? And David, you have stories all, I mean, you came with virtually nothing, maybe nothing. Yeah. I had $5,000 and it was what, is it $12,000 a year? I think it was something like that. And God provided, and that's a story for another day, but we can talk about that quickly. You know, God yeah. provided to the extent that all $36,000 was paid for by the time I finished Bible school. And I had nothing more than a part-time job, I think. Yeah. Oh, and I did work briefly in the summers, but you know, that was, that was it. And yeah. just saw God work miraculously. And I know that I am one story of many stories of that happening yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
I, so back to your question, Knox, and, and so I, I would just say if, if, if that's the thing holding you back, maybe that's not a good reason, but it might be, it might be career, it might be I'm married, I, I can't take my family and, and go for a year. There are ways. The, the, the thing I would first of all say and encourage you is to go talk to your pastor in your local church. If, hopefully you're plugged into a church, and if you're not, find a church that's faithful to teaching the Word of God, and you would make his day if you were to say to him, I want to, I want to go deeper. I want to study the Bible more. I need to know more of the scriptures. My prayer would be that, that he'd be able to, or, or somebody on staff would be able to help you navigate through that so that you might be able to find some ways. But there are some great online resources. You know, some, some sort of some basic things that I would say is find yourself a concise overall commentary and you can find them relatively cheap. It might be something like a Matthew Henry commentary. That's when you get to a difficult text or a portion of scripture, it's like, I don't exactly know what the author intends here. I'm not exactly sure what God intends here. There are helps out there that are going to help you understand texts and words. And you don't need to be a Greek scholar or a Hebrew scholar to understand the Bible, but sometimes doing a word study is going to help. Yeah. So I think that's a really key thing, isn't it? Commentary. So uh, for those of you who've maybe never heard of a commentary, a commentary is is basically a, a walk through verse by verse of of a of various books in the Bible that that help yeah. to kind of help you understand the broader context in a way that maybe you don't have the time or educational background to be able to study as broadly. So it's really helpful. Uh, commentaries are huge. So for me, I, I rely on some of my favorite commentaries are actually some that I got from Miller. There's the Life Application New Testament commentary. I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. That's right. Um, Warren Wearsby has a New Testament commentary that is amazing. And then there's the Bible knowledge commentary, which does both the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're both, they're all so good. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for commentaries, do feel free to send us an email or yeah. get in touch with us via social media and stuff. We we'll, we can uh, talk to you about that. We'd love to help you on your way in terms of studying. And, and if you just need some help knowing which direction to go and you want some advice, we're happy to talk about that as, as well. Uh, I think... Uh, one of the things I would mention as well, in terms of whether you should go to Bible school or not, one of the most theologically astute people I have ever met, Steve, I think I told you this last time I saw you, uh, he's never stepped foot into Bible school. In fact, he's just started doing some further education. He's got, he's got a history degree and he just loves studying the word of God. He loves studying the Bible and Bible school is, is great if you want to go and you want some help to learn about the Bible. But it's not the only way to learn about the Bible now. There's so many resources. Obviously, when you, I used to say this to a friend of mine at, at Bible school, Steve, you'd remember Dylan. I always used to say that, you know, we had this privilege of being full time students yeah. in the Bible. Like yeah. our job was to study the Bible, which is such a huge privilege. And not many people get to have that privilege. You might not get to have that privilege, but what you can do is find the resources online. Now, I would recommend that you find the right resources because there's a lot of stuff out there that isn't necessarily so helpful. But there's some, if you're looking in the right places, there's some absolute gold. Steve, I've talked in the past about the, the fact that one of my struggles is that Bible school education is a prerequisite in North America often for working in ministry. Yeah. And I struggle with that. I think there are, you know, if you're in a teaching position, I think that's a different story. Uh, if you're in a, you know, pastoral position where you are preaching regularly, that's very helpful. But I, I think we risk missing some fantastic godly people when we put those prerequisites in. W would you say anything to, to counter that or would you agree with that? What would be your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, you and I have talked about that and, and I, I would agree wholeheartedly with you with a little bit of a different 
or, or maybe just an added piece. So I, I agree. And I know people like your friend who ha- does not have a Bible college education or degree, but it knows the word. Well, how, how did he get there? By diligent study, mm. by, by hard work. And the, the problem for most of us, Dave, is that we're not that disciplined and we're not that faithful in saying, I'm going to carve out time, you know, every day for an hour, hour and a half, just to crack open the word and really dig deep. That's, that's not the story for most of us. And so I would say that if that is how you're wired and you can do that, we should never stop learning. Like David, you're, you, you've not stopped learning since you left Bible school. Like you continue to grow, you continue to study, you continue to um, open up the Bible and look at your commentary. So it's a lifelong process. But I, I think that Bible school can help somebody stay focused for a specific period of time where otherwise it's going to take a long time or it may never happen. That's the reality. And, and I would also say that though I uh, agree that we want to be careful not to miss people who could be in a vocational setting of ministry who don't have Bible school, um, there is something to be said about formal education. Even the Apostle Paul took time out after he got saved to reorient his thinking uh, from a religious leader as a Jew who used to be called Saul and then God saves him. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And then for uh, a period of time after that, he did zero ministry other than having his heart and his mind reoriented to what he was going to become, namely an apostle to the Gentiles. And so I think that there's value in, and, and what, I, what I want to be careful is you're not saying that education isn't critical. What you're saying is Bible college education may not necessarily be the only thing you need to be in ministry. Exactly. Yeah. So, so as long as you understand the scriptures, like your good friend who is a pastor and who understands the scripture may, like you said, he's the most theologically astute person, you know, which kind of offends me a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, I didn't say, I didn't say teachers. I didn't include the teachers. There you go. Um, But, but I do think that there's merit in, you know, if you walk into a doctor's office and, and uh, your doctor says, by the way, I don't have a medical degree, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to work on you anyway. Be like, "Ah, just, you know what, is there somebody down the hall that I could see? Um, It's, 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 I mean, that's a far stretched thing. That would never happen. But I wouldn't want your statement to minimize the, the importance of education and sometimes in a very formal setting like we have here at Miller College of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say it's really useful. It's not the only judgment of whether someone is ready for pastoral ministry. That's, that's what I would say. Oh, ab- no, absolutely. And I mean, if you do a word study on pastoral, I mean, what is it? Elder, overseer? And it's clear that, that, that not only those who have gone to school or have a Bible school uh, college education are going to be elders and overseers. Um, and so, but they need to know the word yeah. and they got to, they got to love Jesus. Exactly. I mean, you just think about some of the churches in, in Asia and, you know, in India as a, as an example where people uh, don't have formal education, but they are passionate about yeah. reading the Bible and learning more about God and, and, you know, spending time in the presence of God as well, which is you yeah, know, yeah. an important thing as well. I think the risk can be, with this Bible school model that we have in North America, that we use the level of education as a measure of where they are in their relationship with God. And I think that is just not the case. You know, you can be powerful in godly ministry with no formal education whatsoever, but a love to read the Bible. And intellectually, you might struggle and that's okay. Uh, But uh, but on the other side, you might have people who are you know, PhD Bible scholars, 
who are so caught up with the intellectualization of the Bible that they miss the ministry part of it. So uh, that's something that I know that is is a challenge in Bible school. And, and I guess, you know, in the time that we have left, we're kind of running out of time here, but maybe talk a little bit about that, about Miller, because you've tried to counteract that as a school, haven't you? That yeah. that sense of just yeah, intellectual. Yeah, I think so. I, I, you're absolutely right. There are, some, there are some academics who don't even love God. They've just approached the Bible as a, like an, as an academic endeavor and they know the Bible very well, but their hearts are far from God. And, and you're, you are a hundred percent right. If, if our heart is not tracking with where, what God has been showing us through his word and is stimulating our mind, I think we're just off track. And so I, I couldn't agree with you more. We are, we're not in the business to pump out a bunch of people who just know a lot of stuff, but care less about God's heart and knowing him. And, and like you said, spending time in his presence and, and pursuing um, missions and pursuing proclaiming the word of God. And so our, yeah, our model of, of education really like, like you um, indicated and like I've already said, really is a, we, we, we look, um, it's almost like a whole, I don't like to use the word, but it's like a holistic approach where we don't want it just to be head knowledge. And so we actually, our graduation requirements are not just academic. You don't just need a certain GPA to graduate. We are looking for character things in your life as students and um, relational dynamics. And it's, it's hardly any good if you know all about the Bible, but you can't get along with anybody. That's terrible. And we know people like that. And so, so I, I, we actually go after those kinds of things, life skills. Um, and, and how do you live your life from day to day in the context of your community? And, and so those are the kinds of things that we're going after as a college as well. So I agree. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that that's where Bible colleges, I, I would maybe just put this warning out. Don't just, just because it says we're a Bible college or a Bible school, don't just say, oh, I'm going to go there. Do some research. Ask some tough questions. Do you actually believe that the Bible is the final authority of God? Is that really a, the sufficiency that you're looking from? Or, or is the Bible just another book that we're going to study along with, you know, whatever else it is? And so ask the hard questions of the college that you might be thinking about going to. That's, that's a really important uh, point to make. Yeah. Steve, it's been great to have you on the show. I think I want to give you one more opportunity in a short sentence. Let's summarize what we've talked about. Why go to Bible school? Yeah, I think, I think for anybody, even just to carve out a year, young person, you're going to live the rest of your life. You know, you're going to be in a career for 50 years to invest the year to say, I'm going to just carve out a year as a young man, a young woman to have my mind shaped and my heart bent towards Jesus so that I might be more effective in this career or whatever else it might be. I, I think most of the time, it's not going to be a waste of your time and your effort. Yeah, absolutely. Bible school for me personally has changed the trajectory of my life mainly because I understand where God is calling me in a way that I didn't before. And I'm so grateful for that. Steve, I'm grateful for all your work at, at Miller and the impact that you've had in my life and in Sherea's life. She would say the same thing um, for the ministry that we've been able to do together, for the road trips and all that stuff. Steve, you have had a profound impact on my life and mm -hmm. I appreciate you so much for that. So thank you. And thanks for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I'm hoping it won't be the last time we get to have a discussion on this podcast. So for the, you at home, thank you so much for tuning in to episode number 35, I think, possibly 36, I don't know, of the Simple Faith podcast. We're looking forward to having Marty and Becky Frisk on the show next week, which will be a really great conversation about missions and what does missions look like. So that's it from me. Have a fantastic week and I will speak to you very soon.